2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there.
1: Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank call. caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It is late and it's dark and it's crazy. And in about a couple months or so, Packernet After Dark will be released at 2 p.m. That's a winter joke. Don't worry about it. It's not actually gonna. It's not. It's not a thing. Just relax. Just freaking calm down. All right. Jeez. Can't tell you people anything. Yeah, I said you people. What do you do about it? Not gonna do nothing. Why don't we take some calls? It's already weird. Um, all the old ones are done. We got some new ones. I don't know where we're headed. I don't know. Are we still talking about the last game? Are we moving forward to London? Is it in London? Is it technically still London, or is it out? You know, like like is is Schaumburg, Chicago? No, it's Schaumburg. It's not Chicago. So stop saying it's Chicago. Is it like that kind of thing, or is it like no? It's a part of it's a part of London. I don't know, don't care to find out either, so you don't have to message me and tell me because I could not care any less. I'm just thinking through things out loud. I really legitimately do not know, want to know the answer. Thanks.
3: Hey, Ryan it's Garrett. Hey, I wanted to just elaborate just a little bit more on this whole ordeal with the blown call on the delay of game. Just to be clear,
1: I am significantly less bothered by this than everybody else. am We have gotten a lot of calls and, and it's it is upsetting, but at the end of the day. We blew it, right? That's the biggest thing for me. I can't sit here and harp on it too much because we blew that. And it should never have been a thing. But we also shouldn't just be given walk-in touchdowns, right? If it if he had snapped it two seconds earlier, we don't have a gripe. We just have the defense failing. But he didn't. He, he forgot to snap it. And technically, based on a technicality that shouldn't have counted, unfair, whatever, but whatever. They ran the play. He eventually snapped the ball. Third-string quarterback. It happens. He's a little slow. It's nervous. All that stuff. They snapped the ball, and they just obliterated our defense. So, you know, it's annoying. It's annoying, but I'm personally very ready to move on. But it's your show. You do whatever you want. Oh, and we got a first-time caller. My bad. We'll get to you after Garrett.
3: Um, I have thought for a long time that they needed to maybe put a metallic paint and all the striping and put uh, specialized uh, metal tips in the ball so they know exactly where the GPS is on the ball.
1: The problem with that is quarterbacks are going to lose their freaking mind because the, you know, the exact weight and flight of the ball and all that stuff is just, there's no way. And I'm assuming the metallic tips are on the inside, not the outside, because that creates a whole bunch of new issues. And then the metallic things are going to come free inside, and they're going to be like these little shaker balls that you give to your dog where it like kind of rattles or whatever. And kind of, I don't know, just, just, I'm just saying.
3: Ball so they know where to market instead of, you know, guessing which human error comes into play so much when it's a scrum and you don't know where the ball actually is. Yeah. Um, and goose made some legitimate points and you made some legitimate points on the last one. Uh, but I, I think putting a, uh, light on the first down markers for the referee to see if they're not looking from behind the quarterback and looking at the twenty four o'clock, then how it's just forcing them to look two different times and if they're behind the quarterback and looking straight at the the uh, twenty four o'clock, then they can see both happen at the same time. but if they're on the sideline looking, then maybe this would help them, but there's got to be some way that the
1: yeah, why don't why don't you because they're looking up on the old big screen there, right? Looking at the clock. I mean, not exactly, but right below there, there's a little clock. Maybe there could be a picture of the clock right next to a picture of the ball. And then you could be looking at two things at once. And it doesn't need to be on the Jumbotron. Again, if you take care of this in New York, there's no issues, right? We got a camera on the sideline already. That's all. I mean, we're watching it on television. So you could have a side-by-side for some dude in New York that has the clock here, and the ball thing here it just yeah it, again simple stuff real simple things that we could do to eliminate the problem but we have the worst people on us as fans watching on television have a easier chance of catching delay a game than the guy who's tasked with catching delay a game because he can't see the ball as well as we can and he's staring not where we, we can watch the television which has the ball and the little clock about three inches apart it's it's so stupid
3: the NFL can can fix this because this is just egregious two weeks in a row is just mind-boggling. they've got to get stuff like this fixed because it's unacceptable uh, I, I just can't get over how the, it just seems like the the calls that I'm watching left and right are just affecting games outcomes way too much, way too much. Have a good one Ryan.
0: Yeah, no, I'm.
1: I, you know, I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm ready to move on because they're not actually going to do any of this stuff, right? So we're just punching the air, more or less, is all we're doing. So, it 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 is crazy that they can't do some of the simple things. And some of them, it's a little complicated, right? Like the chip and the ball thing. I have a feeling if we actually try to put that in action, there's going to be a lot of issues that come up, right? Again, if, it, if it's a specific part of the ball that's being quote-unquote chipped, um, then, you know, it depends if the ball's on the other side. Then they're going to say it's short, and it's like, no, it's very obviously over the line. If we're talking about putting a chip in a ball, making the whole thing into like a robot, you know, where there's like sensors throughout the ball, that would be kind of a separate thing that makes sense. But I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of issues with that, considering the amount of contact that thing's going to be going through. Your flu shot is waiting? What are you talking about, Walgreens? Plus, get an updated COVID-19 booster. Who are you? Go away. I don't want either of those things, but thank you very much. I'm good. <laughs> so, so what does, excuse me, phone. Stop falling. So, what does Walgreens give me suggestions? If you're going to make suggestions, at least make cool suggestions. Like, hey, man, Packer game's coming up. Do you have Doritos or do you need some? Because we got some. And I'll we could we could, we were putting them on sale. Now you're talking to me like, dude, yes, thank you. Great call. You want to bring them over? We'll share them or I have to, I got to pick them up? Okay. Flu shot, that's not fun. It's like your friend who calls you from a long time ago and you're like, hey, what's going on, man? It's been a long time. To- yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. What have you been up to? I haven't seen you since like high school. Dang, what's going on? And you find out after 30 seconds they're trying to sell you something. It's like, you freaking jerk, you know? Like, oh, man, remember back in the day when we went to that place and we did that thing? It's like, yeah, I remember. Oh, man. Do you take vitamins? <laughs> no, Bob, I don't. You should come to my seminar and we can make a million dollars. Okay, see you there. Stupid Walgreens. Have you considered getting more COVID shots? No. I haven't. I haven't thought about COVID in a year. Leave me alone. But yeah, refs are stupid. All right. First time caller, probably. What's going on?
0: Hey, Ryan, this is Jared calling from Southern California. I was just uh, thinking of a player that may be comparable to Josiah DeGuara. There we go. Uh, Johnny Stanton was with the uh, Cleveland Browns and played the fullback and tight end role but hurt his shoulder and was cut this uh, preseason. Mm. And I'm wondering if he may be a comparable player. Thanks.
1: So your name is now SoCal Jerry, which I hope is correct, because I, I couldn't tell if you said, I think you said Jerry. Not positive, but SoCal Jerry suggested Johnny Stanton. Let's look up Johnny Stanton. So last year, I'll check a couple other years. Last year, he only played... 13 snaps all of 14 snaps all 13 of them were in the backfield one of them was at quarterback so uh let's see 2020 hurry up please yeah he he seems like he exclusively lined up at fullback uh i don't see any tight end stuff he played in 2020 he had one snap at wide receiver and it looks like that's it maybe he did some stuff in preseason possibly that kind of Looked that way. Um a little bit this past preseason. Twenty eight snaps in the backfield, four in line. That's still a little bit more full back y than, than tight endy. But I appreciate the call in SoCal Jerry. Let's uh see what Nico's up to. Ryan hey.
2: Hey. what is up? Oh dog?
4: Nothing, man. Is, uh,
2: Nico.
4: What's and, up? Uh, let the game stew a couple of days in my brain. Because sometimes I have to do that. Um, yeah, I hear that. I know everybody's freaking out. Um, you know, I guess that's kind of one reason why I can't. I love PSF because it's cool to like, dissect like dissect an animal, you know. But one thing I hate about it is, I don't know, it, just, it seems to give people, fans, almost like an unrealistic expectation. Like, oh, we got an elite D&O line and elite quarterback and running back and this, that, and the other, and defensive backs and pass rushers. And they, you know, our PFF grade overall is 80, and theirs is a 50. We should kill them. Well, you know what? That's not reality. Because
5: hmm.
4: um, you know what happens? is football happens. Yeah. Everybody's got big, huge, fast dudes. Yeah. And everybody's going to get punched in the mouth. Yeah. And we just think because our PFF grade's better, we should beat them. Well, that's not what happens. Football comes in. And show she was boss. We've all seen Brett Barr, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. you have all seen guys like that have horrible games. And we've seen third-string quarterbacks come in, play pretty damn good, you know. Now that guy might be trash the next five years. Who knows? Right. I mean, do we really think a Bill Belichick coach team wouldn't uh, be hard no matter who's suiting up for him? So I just think we all need to calm down, relax, take a chill pill. It is what it is. Um, we got a freaking win. If we barely won the Super Bowl, I'd be jacked as crap. And we all need to keep a little realistic expectations as to what you can't expect. Rodgers ain't gonna be perfect, you know, all the time. At least, at least they kicked it up. You know, they they stopped it when they had to. The defense. And I got uh, here. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I guess we don't run, we don't stop the run anymore. We did last, you know, the week last with it, net, but guess we don't do that anymore more. And, I'm kind of freaking out about uh, next week just because Saquon Barkley's kind of a stud, but, you know, uh, we actually run the ball better than them, and we stop the run better than them, so maybe we're going to run the crap all over them. Who knows? I mean, that's what I love about the sport. You can't just say, oh, we're going to win, we're better, because sometimes, you know, like a a mid-2000s Jets team will beat the crap out of a mid-2000s Patriots team. You just don't know what's going to happen. That's why you watch the sport, you know. So anyway, um, everybody's made a lot of good points today, but I think you just all need to calm down. And remember that football is football because football just is. You, just,
0: yep.
4: you don't know what's going to happen. And that's the beauty of the sport is you get to watch it all unfold. So,
1: All right, he got cut off. Um, let me see if. All right, he's he's got a little bit more to add in. We'll we'll do that, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Just real quick. Right. I
4: was going to say I, I I'm gonna have to get up early and watch the Packers game this Sunday, but uh, I might be up at two o'clock in the morning, Jones and out. Who knows? So uh, let's just let's just uh, you know, also this team is just just, just there's so much youngness going on. You know, linebackers, receivers. You know that Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust a young receiver. That's a bunch of bull crap. Right. Um. I hate it when the media just latches onto like a theme and they all run with it like a bunch of idiots. Yeah. You know what? Uh, when Lazard was a rookie, when he was a freaking nobody, Dan Rogers sure latched onto him, called him out, said, put him in. Remember against Detroit? He had that bad drop but he threw the same play and he caught it. So, yeah. it, 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 uh, well, I'm not going to go on how I hate the media. Anyways, we got a young team and, uh, I just think that we just need to chill and and honestly just hope this kind of reminds me of the 2010 Packers. I think someone else said it last week up and down. And as long as we can be up at the end of the season, that's all that matters. So let's go kick some giant, butt, you know, London (laughs) and go.
1: (laughs) That's that was the best, uh, Michael Scott London impression I've ever heard. Yeah. So I, I going all the way back to the beginning, talking about what the PFF thing and everything, I, I think, I get what you're saying, right? And it, it 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 assigns grades almost as if they're like Madden grades. Because in Madden there's really no fluctuation. That's not to say there isn't parity and you know, a team could win one time and lose the next, but if a guy's a ninety three, he's a ninety three. He's not like usually a ninety three like on average, but you know, sometimes you play him and he kind of sucks and it's like, What's up with that? And it's like, Well, it's not like he's a ninety three every day. I mean, you know, he's a human being. It's like, No, these are robots and they do whatever that's what we expect out of everything. And yeah, you know, even like with the Jair situation before where everybody was mad because we didn't put Jair in man coverage. Well, the the assumption is Jair doesn't lose. If you put him in man coverage, we're going to do better, which completely negates the fact that the reason we're playing Zone is because it negates other issues. And if we go to man, that creates new issues. Just because you can't see the issues that didn't happen because we did not allow them to happen doesn't mean there aren't other issues. And it was kind of funny to me that like the very next week, Jair's in man coverage and gets beat like a, by a tight end or something. Like He just got absolutely whooped. Uh, there was another place when you know somebody, I, I don't know, there, there was like 10 yards of separation. He's a human being. I'm not trying to dunk on Jair and say he's a bad corner. He's not, but he's a human being. And it doesn't fix everything. And he isn't going to lock down everybody all the time. In fact, he's going to get beat by garbage receivers sometimes because it's football and stuff happens. And that's not your fix-all. On top of the fact that now we just created all new problems because we're playing man defense. And, um, you know, again, in in sort of in defense, I get what you're saying, but in defense of PFF, it's it's, PFF doesn't cause it, they just facilitate it. Because anti-PFF people do the same thing. The media loves doing this stuff. This is why everything is an overreaction. And it's, it's, it's exactly why the issue with New England happened. Well, you should have beat them by 10 points. It's going to be a blowout. And it's like, no, probably not, actually. And that's not a Packers problem. That, that happens every single week. Every week. Do I have to go back and show the scores? I mean, so far, every single team that had nine and a half or higher spread has won. Two of those games were the Packers, by the way. One of them we covered 27 to 10. The other one was 27 to 24. But there were other games. The Rams had a 10-point spread over Atlanta. They beat them 31 to 27. That's 4 points. Or how about Denver? 10 points over Houston. They beat them 16 to 9. It's not exactly a blow. I mean it's it's getting kind of close. It's 7 points. It's close, kind of close to 10, I guess. But it ain't 10 and 16 to 9 is probably not what anybody was thinking when they came up with this 10-point spread. Only twice out of five times did a team cover. Go back to last year, there's several losses in here. One of the highest spreads of the entire year, Indianapolis against Jacksonville. Indy was expected to win by 15 points. They lost by 15 points. It was 11 to 26. They lost Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Buffalo, same thing to Jacksonville, 14 and a half points. They lost six to nine. Arizona is supposed to beat Detroit by thirteen, they lost thirty to twelve. So I mean, you know, the the safe money is on picking the teams that are expected to win because generally speaking, they have better players, right? And I've I've talked about this before in the past. If Rashawn Gary is a ninety overall grade type player, that isn't to say that's what you get every week. That's what you get as a summary for the year, which is some 90s, some 70s, some 50s, and all these things mixed together. And that's true of everybody. So, you know, if you look at each individual player on offense, on defense, on special teams across two different teams, and you, and you say, you know, there's a tolerance for what how they're going to play, whether that be a 90, a 60, a 70, some 50 overall players are going to have 90 overall player grade games. You know what it reminds me of is risk. You know how when you're defending, if it's a tie, you win? You only get, I think, two die, and the other person gets three. The attacking team, if they have three, people can roll three die. But let's just forget that and assume the dice are, die, dice, whatever, are equal. Two and two. The safe money would be betting on the pair in which the tie goes to them. Because then if I have any numbers that are bigger than your numbers, or the same as your numbers, I win. That's the safe money. But who's to say that they don't roll two sixes and you roll a two and a four? There's the safe money, and then there's the reality that it's just, it, at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to chance. And that doesn't even account for the fact that, again, it's not just better and worse. it's It's also matchups. There are teams that are technically worse than us, but the way they play football probably means maybe they beat us six out of ten times. I don't know. I don't know. Um... We got a new new caller, so why don't we leapfrog a little bit and go check that out? Hey, Ryan. It's Matt from Virginia. Hey, Long time
5: listener and supporter of your show. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, especially like those episodes you do of uh, Laughing at the Enemy. Got one for you tomorrow. Uh, speaking of Laughing at the Enemy. Yes. I want to ma- remind all the Packer fans out there how we felt during the first half of the game when Aaron Rodgers was overthrowing everybody. You guys remember the despair and anguish and the anger and the frustration well i know how bears fans feels every time they have to watch their team every sunday
1: <laughs> and
5: i got one more rant
1: ryan <laughs> so when aaron Rodgers is off you know like when he has those really bad games like once every or bad quarters or bad halves like once every four or five six seven weeks that's just the bears <laughs> Just one more. All right. Do it up. To you Packer fans that are
5: leaving these nasty messages on Ryan, um, Romeo Dobbs's uh, Instagram posts. Yeah. You guys aren't real Packer fans. All right. Then I coach sports and I can't tell you what, what goes on in an athlete when they see that, that kind of stuff. And you guys forgot about, Devontae Adams' first three years and his struggles before he became what he became. Just remember that. And you're not carrying the G when you're doing that shit. And I got two words for you, for you fans that are doing that. Thank you. Anyway, go go Have a good day, Ryan. Keep up the good work.
1: Yeah, I guess I didn't even know anything about that. I didn't hear anything about it, but I think that's kind of par for the course. If a guy drops a ball, then people go in there and scream and swear, and they say horrible things, hope you die, and all the, the bad things you can think of saying to a person. I, I, the only thing I could think is it just it's v- very much like the argument I've said time and time and time again about when you go to a football game, you have the opportunity to help your team win. You also have the opportunity to help your team lose. You're actively hurting this team when you attack Romeo Dobbs, leaving aside the whole human being thing, right? Because you obviously aren't concerned about that. You're a grown-up. You understand that what you're doing is bad. You know that it's not nice. But I have a feeling a lot of people that do that feel justified and vindicated because they're angry and they care so much about the Green Bay Packers and you are ruining things for the Packers, not realizing that you are ruining things for the Packers. Everybody that's ever watched five seconds of football understands and has heard people talk about the importance of people having short memories, right? The ability to forget, go back to the huddle, and get back to work. Let it go, leave it alone. And the ones that aren't able to do that are the ones that fail in the league. We need these guys to keep their head in the game. And you know that, but you're selfishly. Putting your feelings, your sad little girl feelings, in the forefront and making that more important than than the larger picture here. Again, human being. Beyond that, though, the part where you're making it harder for this person to continue on as a successful NFL player. And don't even give me any kind of grief about, well, they should be able to take it. You want to talk about somebody should be man enough to be able to handle it? Look who is talking, dude. Dude. You watched a kid's game on TV that doesn't impact you at all, and you're sending death threats to a guy. You're the poster child for not being able to control and handle your emotions. So you know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. Some people, like you, have a hard time with it. Especially when you are in front of the entire world, on a national stage, make a massive mistake, and this entire fan base that five seconds ago was embracing you and cheering for you, now wants you dead. But there's again no point in trying to appeal to people that do that because they don't care. At the end of the day, their own feelings are the most important thing. They are very sensitive and just I mean just really delicate to be driven to that level of anger over something so small. You you have such fragile emotions. It's pretty wild. Anyways, let's uh let's go ahead and check in with Todd see what he's doing.
0: Hi Ryan, this is Todd from Reno, Nevada. Hey
1: Todd from Reno, Nevada.
0: So- I was thinking about this last Packer game against New England. Yeah. And hasn't this been the Packers ammo since Mike McCarthy years of just playing down to the teams you're supposed to beat and then, and then the fourth quarter is, is just a, a mad dash to try to win the game with um, bad throws and no rushing and defense that just let the stupid plays go through. I mean,
3: yeah.
0: I was thinking about this. film. So we play up to the good teams, and then the next week we play down to the lower teams, and we just never seem to put the pedal to the metal and just win a game and just sit there in the third quarter and just sit there and put our head back, through the beer, and go, this game's over, and we know it is. Right. That doesn't happen with Green Bay. If they got a lead at halftime, they put on cruise control
4: yeah.
0: and pray they don't have to to turn the switch back on because that switch never works. And the other thing uh, I wanted to say was how is Aaron Rodgers' statistics after four games this year compared to last year? And the reason I ask is because last year, if you remember, all the pundits were talking about, MVP for Stafford or Josh Allen or Cooper Cup or Patrick Mahomes. It wasn't until about week nine that Aaron Rodgers started to gain momentum. and People are going, oh, Aaron Rodgers, he's really climbing now. He might have a chance at MVP. And And then by week 13, they're like, oh, Aaron Rodgers got locked up. So I was just wondering how stats were. That's all. Have a good day.
1: Thanks, buddy. So I had a thought.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Oh, hey, uh, um, I had a thought. And unfortunately, I was half listening to your second question because I, I, as soon as you said that, I was like, ooh, I got an idea, I got to look into this. It does feel like, as a Packer fan, we always have nail biters. We never really just put teams away. And that gave me a thought. And I think I can figure out how to make this work here. The question what we're really asking is we, we want to know How close games are. But that's not exactly what we're asking. Because you could look at point differential, which is how much you beat a team by, but that's a lot of positive plus negative. So, in other words, you could blow a team out 50 to nothing and then lose 50 to nothing. Your point differential is zero. We didn't learn anything. It just seems like, oh man, point differential is zero. They're always close. No, they're never close. What I want to know is when you win, how much do you win by? So, I want to know the point differential on a per game. Basis, when you win, so looking at wins, point differential divided by wins, and I'm doing it since 2019. Well, we'll do a few different years because you you even mentioned seems like this is the thing since McCarthy, and I think you're right. But let's start with that because that's a decent starting point. I'm doing this live, so I don't know the answer. All right, since 2019, Matt Lafleur era, the Green Bay Packers rank 17th again. The way we're phrasing this is, when you win, how much do you win by? On average, when the Packers win, they win by 10.5 points. That seems high, but that's the answer to the question. The lowest is Detroit at 6.3. The highest is New England, 18 points on average. This year so far, the Packers are 16th beating teams on average by 7.3 points. Jacksonville is number one at 26 points. New Orleans, one point. And then let's go back to, uh, what, 2008, I guess. Since that period, the Green Bay Packers rank seventh at 12.6 points. New England is number one, about 16. The uh, Raiders, 7.6 on average. There there is one other way to attack this question. I want to do this real quick. We'll just do the 2019 thing. Because obviously really big games can skew this. If you win by like 60 in one game and then, you know, win by three in the rest, uh, you know, it's going to skew it. So let's let's do one other thing. Since 2019, which teams through three quarters, which is to say going into the fourth quarter, is it a three-point game? You ready for this? The Packers have the second least amount of games since 2019 in which going into the fourth quarter... We're within three points, either winning by three or losing by three. The only team with less is the Baltimore Ravens. We're actually tied for uh, 29th, I guess, with the Rams and the Patriot. Nine times only since 2019. So 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, only nine times. The only team that's less is Baltimore with six. The actual heart attack teams, Washington and the 49ers, with 17. Guess what i'm curious about is who has the best and worst records in these situations um the packers are actually quite good they have the third best record when it's within three points going into the fourth quarter they are seven and two the rams and miami are the only two teams with better records the worst teams carolina denver houston the patriots actually jacksonville detroit san francisco surprisingly so there you go uh i don't know I don't know. My uh, my Packer fandom says that that's not true and that the Packers are always in close games and this is this is lies and everything, but um, I don't know what to tell you. It's just what it is. We could change the number, but I think we've spent enough time on this question for now. Second part of your question was, how does Rodgers compare to last year's Rodgers at this time, I believe? Something like that. Great question. Um, last year, Aaron Rodgers... Uh, Is this right? Oh, no. hold on. <laughs> I was going to say it's, it's identical. No, I have to go back a year. All right. So PFF grade Aaron Rodgers through four weeks had a 68.9 overall grade so far this year, 77.1. So as far as his grade, he's doing better. Completion percentage. Last year, 60. I got to get Jordan Love out of here. Hold on. He's confusing me. There we go. Last year, 64.5%. Right now, 69%. Um, He had 897 yards. Right now, 935 yards. Two touchdowns, or excuse me, eight touchdowns, two interceptions last year. Six touchdowns, three interceptions. Really? He had two picks already last year? That's crazy because the funny thing is, I'm so glad you asked this question. Everybody's talking about, dude, he only had, like, I got to look now. He only had two inter- or four interceptions all year, or whatever last year. Yeah, and it was—he actually had his third interception by week five. Two interceptions came in week one. His his next one came in week five. So three of his four came within the first five weeks. Wow, it's a good question, man. Big time throws last year. He had nine. This year, eight. Um, turnover worthy plays both four and four. He is like identical. Average depth of the target is very different. This year is much shorter, 6.7 yards. Last year, 9.7, which I think we know there's been a lot of shorter passes this year. Um, Drops, 3-3, and exact same, even though it seems like everybody's dropping passes. Exact same thing as last year. One batted pass compared to one batted pass. Last year, he was hit as he threw once. This year, zero times. Throwaways, a lot more this year. He had five last year, 10 this year. Pressures. Last year, 36. This year, 38. Almost identical. Last year, he was sacked eight times. This year, nine times. Again, identical. Time to throw. Last year, as you would expect with the deeper throws, 2.54. This year, 2.46. A little bit quicker getting out of his hands. Last year, he had scrambled four times. This year, so far, two times. 49 first downs compared to 42 first downs. NFL passer rating of 100.8 compared to 95.6. You would expect that with two more touchdowns and one less interception. But yeah, very, very, very similar. Um, Very similar. Shockingly similar almost. And again, via the PFF grade, he's actually doing even better. I'm surprised to see he had two picks already, uh, which again, that happened after week one. So (laughs) I like it. I like it. I I love when you guys give me something like that. And I immediately think of what everybody's been saying about how Rodgers is a little bit off and how all those things about, look look at all the interceptions he threw. He's already got four this year. He only had four all last year or whatever. Yeah, well, he had three, you know, around this time last year anyway. So if Rodgers doesn't throw a pick in this game, it's three compared to four. It ain't that different. All right. uh, Why don't we take a break? Uh, You know what? We got a lot of calls to do. Let's do one more. We'll do one more. Scuba Steve.
2: Hey, Ryan. Scuba Steve here. Hey, man. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? How are you?
2: Well, I'm doing fantastic. Oh, good. Good. Um, I called my mom the other day, and she's super nice, one of the nicest ladies I know. Well, anyway, she um, I told her to listen to the Packer that podcast. Thank you. Because it's awesome, yeah. and uh, I'm on it sometimes. And <laughs> she did, not she called me back, and she's so nice. She's like, oh, Scuba Steve, because that's what she named me. <laughs> she said, Scuba Steve. You know what? I always told your dad that you had the perfect face for radio. Yeah, so there it is. She's like the nicest lady I know. But.
1: I got to get a little sound, um, one of those little audio things of the boom, for when you call. I got to have that queued up and ready to go.
2: Um, I wanted to share some ideas. Sometimes I have ideas, and I had some really good ones. Yes. The other day. So I wrote them down. Good. And I'm going to tell you my great idea. I love it. So, my first idea. Is I think you should do a musical podcast episode. Okay. Um, where you sing every answer to the questions you get. Okay. Um, and just seeing everything you, that you say that episode. Yeah. I think that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, I bet that would um, be
2: great. My second idea is about the NFL and how some good changes could come to it. Okay. Um, so I would change the penalties. Yeah. There would still be penalties, but it'd kind of be more like the NHL where. If you get a penalty, you have to take the next playoff and go to the penalty box. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that could be a big deal. Right. If you get two guys that get penalties and you're on defense and you're down to nine players, um, that's a huge deal. Or if you're down to nine players and in their offense, that's a huge deal.
1: That'd be tough, so yeah. So
2: I think that could be something awesome for the NFL. So, all right, Ryan. Thanks. Bye.
1: I never know if you're actually being serious, I'm guessing you're not, but I actually think that would be kind of fun. I'm not saying I want to change it, because that's a little drastic as far as, um, you know, preserving the game and everything. I'd like to try to keep it football, but I think that'd be kind of cool, you know? You know what would be cool is if they had a period of time where they did experimental stuff? Like, let's just take all the crazy ideas. Like, we'll have a chipped football and all these things and all these new rules and all these changes, and we're going to just play football for, like, two to three weeks and just see what an absolute disaster it is. I think that'd be great. And this would be one of them. We'll have a penalty box. Now, my question is, is it everything? Like if your right tackle holds, does he have to come out for for a play and now you just don't have a right tackle or you can... Well, and then the other thing, well, I guess it doesn't matter because, I mean, you can sub, but the point is you only get 10 players, right? So we can bring in a new right... That would be kind of cool, though, because then depth plays a big part in, in what you're doing. You know, we'd put in Yash and Iman and then maybe just take out a running back and then you could still spread it out. That that would be all right. We'd make that work. Just think about like the anticipation. If like the defense got a penalty and it's just like, oh man, Aaron Rodgers. And, and then it's like, what are they going to do? Like, who are they going to keep? Like that player has to go out. But what do you do strategy wise? Are you going to take out like a linebacker? Do you take out a defensive tackle? Do you take out a safety? And then the offense has to like real quick see who's in, who's not in, and like, like all right, what are we going to do? How do we go I think that'd be awesome, man. You know, I, I don't know. I like that. I like that a lot. Why don't we take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, Furloughgroundranch.org, If you'd like to support that. Take a break. We'll be right back.
6: Hey
3: Ryan, it's Craig. Hey. Um just, uh, wondered what your thoughts are when, uh, Sammy Watkins returns. Seems like, uh, no one's talking about him, which I understand since he's out. Yep. But his, uh, I think it was his last game where he was the number one receiver and had some really nice catches and runs. But as, uh, these rookies are continuing to develop why Sammy's out and, and, uh, Lazard's playing pretty well as well as, uh, Cob, I just wonder what you think the impact is when when Sammy comes back in a few games um seems like it'll it'll give us another dimension on on the receiving on the receiving game. take care keep up the good work bye
1: yeah well that's that's an easy one to answer. I can tell you what's gonna happen what the reaction's gonna be uh he's gonna play and he's not gonna be relegated to you know water boy and he's gonna end up eating up snaps and opportunities and probably a lot of them disproportionately he's going to eat into everybody's opportunities but i would say disproportionately it's going to be romeo dobbs um i'm not necessarily saying he takes his number two job back necessarily he might but people are going to be really mad to see that romeo dobbs's snaps went from like dead even with romeo dobbs down you know from like 70 down to like 45 or something and um, yeah, people are going to rage about that, but that's just the way that that's going to go. Um, and again, that's not even necessarily an anti-Dobbs thing or or a pro-Sammy thing. It's just a necessity thing. Somebody has to sit out so he can play. That's just the the thing that has to happen. And no, they're not just going to cut him because we really like Romeo Dobbs now. So it's an unfortunate reality, but it is a reality.
3: Hey, Ryan, it's Garrett. Hey, I just wanted to call in with uh, my four keys to victory in London this next Sunday morning. Let's do this. Um, key to victory number one. Yep. Slapping a dark visor on Aaron Rodgers' face mask so that the cameras can't do close-ups of him doing rolling his eyes under those saddlebags. Okay. Uh, keys to victory number two. That's going to help us win? or Have uh, A.J. Dillon make a T-shirt for Rashawn Gary that uh, – he pulls up his jersey. Every time the clock goes to zero, Yeah, pulls it up, and underneath it says, delay of game in <laughs> bright yellow and green. Maybe the referees will figure it out. I like it. He's a victory number three. Yep. Elementary, my dear Watson. It's getting Watson the ball more. Yes. Give this guy an opportunity to make some plays. I'd like to see some trick plays even, maybe some flea flickers or something like that, and Let's flash this it. guy downfield. Yeah. Um, just like to see some kind of uh imagination when it comes to maybe getting this guy the ball more and uh keys to victory number four somebody needs to get a video of barry slapping some of these defensive linemen's mothers so these guys play angry and uh do what they're capable of doing and that's get to the quarterback for crying out loud so that's what i got ryan uh Let's hope that uh, we hear Go Pack Go in London loud and clear and we don't have a heckle and jive, jive to that. Heckle, jekyll, whatever jekyll. it is, and hide. type first and second half. Mm. Hopefully it's a domination through the whole game. Have a good one, Ryan.
1: I thought you were trying to say, like, uh, shuck and jive or whatever. What is that thing? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um but yeah, I think I think that's I think you pretty much covered everything. Uh, Rogers needs a visor. Uh, Gary needs a new T-shirt. Uh, we need to do a flea flicker, and Joe Barry needs to smack um, Devontae Wyatt's mother in the mouth, and then we win. That's brilliant. I love that. I love it. That's you know I I hadn't thought of really any of those things, but now that you mention it, they're just sitting right in front of your face. So. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good stuff.
6: Hey, Ryan. Hey, I want to get some grapes off my chest. All right. So here you go.
1: Again, I know you don't care, but Google Translate is freaking me out. It says I want to get some grapes off my chest, and I'm sitting here thinking, what the heck is JJ doing right now? Like, do I want to play this or not? I don't know.
6: Um, I'm not enjoying fantasy football this year. All right. Sorry so weird the bad teams are good the good teams are bad and i don't it's just confusing and my fantasy team sucks so i don't know it's just kind of sucking some of the fun out of it for me
1: this is the first year since 2009 that i have not played fantasy football and i do not regret it it's a little sad you know end of an era kind of thing but uh i feel like a happier human being something to think about
6: um, also, I don't like watching Amari Rogers.
1: I get that, uh... When do you get to see, I don't get to watch, you lucky jerk. <laughs> I don't get to see, that's a joke, I know we get to see him, but I'm sorry.
6: Uh, you know, I thought you made a good point about that he's kind of just average at returns right now, but it's just irritating watching him try and run through molasses. Yeah. And I just can't think of anything that I think he does well. Right. You know, you were saying like, oh, you know, at least I don't worry about whether he's going to catch it or not. But I do. I really do. You know, he's already dropped the ball once and then managed to flop on it, so yay for him
1: that he I guess I just worry about it less than I used to. Um it kind of goes back to that that expectations thing. It's it's not that I think he's great. It's just that he doesn't suck. And and there was a time And I'm talking about over the last several years going back to Trevor Davis, where I was about 70% sure it was going to be dropped. With Amari, it's like, probably won't, right? And then it usually isn't, and I'm rewarded for that. And then there's that one, and it's like, you try to get angry, but again, I think it happens a lot. But I guess I don't know. I'll look it up, but I don't want to do that right now because I've cut you off like seven times already.
0: He didn't turn it over, but
6: I don't know. I just, I don't enjoy watching him. Uh, Another guy on our team, Christian Watson, I just...
1: Hold on, I know, I know you don't like Watson either, but here's here's the other thing. The only thing that was exciting about Amari Christian Watson stole it. <laughs> that, that was like his one thing where it's like, yeah, well, maybe we could start using him on some of these types of things, and that's like his full time job. That's Watson's full time job is doing jet sweeps. So sorry, Amari, that's that sucks.
6: I want to say that uh, everybody who loved what he did at North Dakota State would be freaking excited cuz he looks exactly like he did in North Dakota state. So whether that's a good thing or a bad thing depends on your point of view, but uh same guy he always was. That's what I got to say about Christian Watson.
1: Romeo Dobbs, though. Sorry. Um I I I never really was able to develop an opinion on Watson in college. Um I mean, I yeah, I I was with you. I I agree. I mean, you and I, I think we're kind of on the same page. With you know, both of us were very very high on Pickens, and then you were very anti Watson. I wasn't. I just I don't know how you gauge that. Like he's fast. I'm like I know he's fast, but everybody else is slow. And so what do I do with that information? Like he's beating up on low level competition. Take any scrap scrub wide receiver from. Alabama, Clemson, A&M, whatever, doesn't matter. Ohio State, especially Ohio State. Heck, take somebody off the Wisconsin Badgers and put him at North Dakota State, and he's going to be just ripping people to shreds. So it doesn't really tell me anything, but it doesn't mean he's bad either. So it's like people tell me he's fast, and I'm like, all right, he's fast, I guess, cool. A lot of fast guys. The only thing that excites me is, again, this dude isn't just fast, he's fast, fast. So... I didn't know that. I didn't expect that. I just thought he was fast like everybody else is fast. And then they get to the NFL, and it's like where I can't see. I never see the speed in the NFL. Like Tyreek Hill has speed. Some other guys have, like Hollywood Brown, you know, he can get behind guys. Deshaun Jackson had that get behind guys speed. There was a couple guys that I've seen in my life that you push go, and they fly past everybody. There's so many guys that you know they run the four threes, they run a low four four, they run in the you know four two nine or whatever, and it's like, why can't they just get behind people every time? And I just came to the conclusion that's just not a thing. But this guy's got that thing. That doesn't mean he's going to be a good wide receiver, but he has it, and I'm just glad because again, I very rarely see it. I thought it was just a thing that just doesn't really exist aside from a couple people, and we would never see that, and we see it, and I just I'm excited about that.
4: That dude is
1: a stud. <sighs> I do you like Dobbs? Yeah, I could
6: watch Romeo all day. I think that he's. I think that he's the real deal. Yeah. Um, dude, he's he's our wide receiver one. That, that's just it. You know, yeah. I, I like Alan Lazard. I think that uh we're getting more out of Alan Lazard than most people thought we would. I think he's playing pretty well. Not always, but in general, playing pretty well and making some good catches. Randall Cobb looks way younger than he has in years. The man, Romeo Dobbs, is the man.
1: Looks fantastic. Um, I I think Romeo Dobbs is showing us Alan Lard L, Alan Lards Alan Lazard's deficiencies. That just kind of dawned on me. I think Alan Lazard is the same guy he's always been. I mean, he's doing the same stuff. I mean, he's catching those passes deep down the sideline, which is awesome. Although he's not really separating. He's got enough separation. He's big, he's strong, he's physical. So he can get that stuff done. He's blocking. You know he's boxing out, he's doing those kinds of things that he's always done, Randall Cobb and all that stuff the the difference with Dobbs is that you can see he doesn't know what he's doing right Alan Lazard and, and Randall Cobb are running perfect crisp routes. they're exactly where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be, but it looks like they're they're trying as hard as they physically can and you watch Romeo Dobbs and it's like he's he doesn't know what he's doing and he's accidentally getting ten yards it's just it's It's night and day when you watch him compared to these other guys. And you realize Dobbs is out there on the field and has no idea what he's doing, and he's already better than the guys we have. Like, he's already better than Alan Lazard, and and better is a relative term. Lazard is still technically wide receiver one. He's going to be thrown two more. He's probably going to be more successful for now because, again, he has Rodgers' trust, but not beyond that. He knows where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be. He has better hands. He has all these different things that work in his favor. But, I mean... We're, the speed, the even the hands. I know he's had drops and stuff, but it feels like every single one of his catches are like, holy, what the heck was that? There's been at least three for sure. One of them ended up being a fumble. It got punched out, I guess. But three for sure that he caught, where he's not really there, and he last second shoots his hands out and makes a really nice hands catch. Great hands, great um, athleticism, and just how dynamic he is with the ball in his hands and and the speed i mean it's a different kind of speed than christian watson it's not like that jordy nelson deep speed it's not that long stride build up speed deep down the field it's that zero to 60 speed it's that you know the defender's about to catch him around the edge and then he didn't and it's like, what the heck was that he had him where did he go i don't understand so yeah i mean when you say he's the real deal he's he's and this is what a lot of people said coming in. So there's a lot of people that are going to listen to me like, duh, I told you. All right, well, that's fine. You guys tell me a lot of stuff, and most of the time you're full of it. So I'm excuse me for not, not believing you right off the bat. But what people said is he's, he's more of a finished product. And he is. I mean, he, he doesn't quite fully understand the terminology and all the nuances of what Aaron Rodgers wants. That's sort of the problem. But all the little nuances of being a great wide receiver, he does those things. The route running, maybe not necessarily the release. I don't know. I heard some people complaining about that. But the route running. The hands, the after-the-catch, the shiftiness, the acceleration. You know, now he's now he's doing back shoulders, leaping, diving, every little thing. And it's like, man, he doesn't move like Devontae does. And I'm not even going to try to compare him to Devontae because he's a different animal. You know, it's kind of like I've said with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones isn't Saquon Barkley. Aaron Jones isn't um, Barry Sanders. He's He's his own style, but he's still very good in his own way. If Romeo Dobbs becomes a great wide receiver, it's not because he became Devontae Adams. That's not it. But that's fine because there's different great receivers that do different things. Debo Samuel isn't Devontae Adams either. AJ Brown isn't Devontae Adams. Justin Jefferson kind of is. They're kind of the same guy. But um yeah, I mean, I I um I'm excited about him for sure. Especially since, again, we have we have just scratched the surface. He's out there guessing, and he's he's already and, and and I don't want to say our number one wide receiver just to disparage the guys we have as though like everybody here just sucks. No, he he actually looks pretty good. You know, I mean when you compare him to other rookie wide receivers, you are exclusively comparing him to first round picks. And and maybe Pickens would be the only other exception. And only because Pickens had his one big game and I know at least one of those big passes came in like Hail Mary time, but anyways, that like that's it. He's not being compared to third, fourth, fifth round guys. He's being compared to first round picks and other quite good wide receivers right now. I mean, if you just look at the last two weeks, which is really, you know, that's only when Romeo became like an actual starting wide receiver for the team is in the last two weeks. He's 31st in yards in the NFL, not among rookies, among young guys. 31st in the entire NFL. And his two touchdowns are tied for number one. CeeDee Lamb, Isaiah McKenzie, Mike Evans, and Jamal Agnew are the only receivers that have two touchdowns in the last two weeks. So, you know, the grades aren't quite there because he fumbled and dropped that pass. By the way, and this is the same thing we said about Christian Watson, if he didn't drop that pass, whatever, but if Romeo just holds onto that ball, he is, I mean, what the heck was that? I want to find out how big of a pass that was he dropped. Why does nobody call that a drop that Romeo had? SIS doesn't list it as a drop. PFF didn't list it as a drop. What the heck was it if it wasn't a drop? Clearly it wasn't a fumble. I don't know. I guess I'll never know. Wait, there is a way I can know. Oh, it was 40 air yards. I don't know where the line of scrimmage was, but call it 35 additional yards and a touchdown. That would put him at 155 and three touchdowns. He would be um, 16th in the NFL in yards, number one in touchdowns if he caught that pass right now. So we we don't even need to lower the bar for Romeo and be like, I mean, he's good, uh, uh, you know, among rookies. No, he's kind of, his numbers right now, the last couple of weeks, are number one numbers. By the way, as are Alan Lazard, his numbers. He's 15th in yards with a touchdown. Even as far as a grade, he ranks 36th, which is not that bad, considering we're looking at him like, oh, get this guy out of here. I mean, he's it's a borderline number one wide receiver. Randall Cobb is 23rd. It's not a terrible situation, man. Anyways, close it out.
6: Uh, I'm really annoyed with a few players on the defense. All right. One of them would be Devondre Campbell. Yes. He has some good highlight plays, but on a down-to-down basis, the dude is not who he was last
1: year. Right.
6: His tackling stinks. That's it. I just, I'm just i annoyed with the missed tackles. And then Rasul, I think Rasul is a liability. I really? really? Do. And Devondre, I'm kind of expecting to get back to his same old self, but I'm not there with Rasul. I think that he just is who he is.
1: I'm I so you're right about Devondre Campbell. I'm I am getting annoyed. Um, going back and watching him, even just like getting to the edge. I don't remember if, if I saw it on Twitter or what. Somebody was highlighting a play. I think they were actually highlighting Devondre Campbell and about how he's not the same guy that he was last year. Um, and and talk about liabilities. Um, Quay Walker next to Devondre right now. I, I already went on that tirade about we. Right now, we're we're closer to having the worst two safeties in football than the best two safeties in football. But um, I don't I don't follow you a hundred percent with Razul. What did what did he do wrong? I don't I don't know that I understand that. I know he gave up a couple passes here. I still have it set to the last two weeks, so I'm just curious. Uh, in the last two weeks, eleven targets, uh, seven receptions, sixty seven yards, and a pass breakup is what he's done. Um, Seventy four point one coverage grade, twenty third overall. Um, He actually has the ninth highest tackling grade. Actually, let me filter that a little bit more. Nope, still, Keyshawn Nixon is still on here. Anyways, let's go for the entire season, just out of curiosity. For the entire season, Razul is the 3rd highest graded tackler on the team and has the 4th highest coverage grade in the NFL. 15 targets, 11 receptions, 74 yards, and a pass breakup. Um... Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to call in and elaborate on what he's doing to annoy you. But I thought he was doing a good job. PFF seems to think he's doing a good job. But um, I know I know, he gave up some pretty... Uh, There's one that sticks out in my mind in particular where the guy just came wide open for a pretty deep pass. But, I mean, that happens. I, I, that happened to Jair at least twice this year already where he just
3: got completely worked. It happens. Take it back to Garrett. Hey, Ryan. I forgot to address something about uh, one of the players that had to come into the game due to injury. Um, I was wondering what your thoughts are on Rudy Ford.
0: Rudy. Um,
3: The guy seemed to make some plays uh, there in the game that even the announcers made a point to uh, uh, talk about, and I'm just wondering, you know, Rudy made some miraculous signings last year by getting Brazil Douglas and you know, making making something out of nothing that people were looking at, shaking their heads, and and look what he did filling in for uh, Jair. I'm not saying that Amos is going to be out any significant amount of time or anything, but uh, if the guy actually gets an opportunity and steps up, uh, I'm just wondering what you project that his uh, potential could be in this defense if he's given the opportunity. And does this eventually kind of push Savage to uh, maybe step up his game a little bit, feeling that shadow behind him uh, with Ford playing well. So I just wonder what you think his contributions going forward could be uh, besides just uh, being a flyer on special teams. Have a good one.
1: Well, for starters, I was surprised that he was even out there. I didn't think that they were going to consider him very seriously. I mean, I know we don't have a ton of great options, Tariq Carpenter and Dallin Levitt, but I, I would have, if you would have asked me, I'd have been like, it's obviously Dallin Lovett I mean, Rudy Ford was just brought over. He has no familiarity with what it is we're doing here. Purely a special teamer. I mean, all of all three of those guys are, but I would have thought Dallin Lovett was the easy, obvious thing. So the fact that in the short amount of time that he's been here, and, and make no question, he was brought here to be a special teamer, they've seen enough from him. To put him on the field over the other guys that we've had, Terry Carpenter and dallin Levitt, or or anybody else from the practice squad, we could have elevated, and and maybe we will. You know, we couldn't do it during the game, obviously. Um, so maybe that's something that we would look at moving forward is putting somebody else out there. We do have Micah Abernathy. Have not heard anything about him being elevated, but um, first of all, he played great, and I'm kind of torn on it because again, the fact that he was put out there. And the fact that he performed was really impressive. And it was not a small sample size. It was 44 snaps that he played, 25 against the run, 18 in coverage, 68 run defense grade, 84 tackling grade, 75 tackling grade, um, targeted twice, zero receptions um, for obviously zero yards, but a pass breakup, 39.6 passer rating, win targeted. He had six tackles, one assist, zero missed tackles on the day. Um, He was one of the higher graded players on the entire team. Now, as I've said before, everybody has good days, so we don't necessarily need to overreact. You know, guys can show up and then that was their only good game of the season. It's not usually your first time just coming off the field on a brand new team in the middle of a game, but it is what it is. Now, my initial go-to would be to look at the fact that he's played since 2017, not necessarily significant amounts, but Since 2017, his grades have been 60, 42, 67, 51, 57, and right now he's rocking a 79. Automatically, I'm thinking, no, his level of play is sub-60, you know, uh, below average player, and that's probably what he is, and this is clearly just an outlier. However, again, all the things that I've already said, number one, we saw something in him quickly, number two, he came out and balled out, but then number three, that's exactly Devondre Campbell. He's in the league for a long time. He's never really been any good. He flounders between, you know, on the low side, 40, on the high side, you know, maybe a a, a high 60 mixed in, but he's not like an actually really good player. And, you know, again, Devondre might not be this year, but he was for that one time. Maybe Razul isn't going to be very good, but he was that one time. Sometimes guys just have that one year where something clicks with the right crew, the right team, the right year, the right circumstances. You know, you're maybe playing for that big contract. And, you know, hey, it worked out for Devondre and Razul and everything, trying to get trying to get actually paid. Who knows? Uh, my, my best guess, he won't be playing long, and we won't see much of him kind of throughout, maybe as a special teamer. But I think he goes back to being relegated to that. But it's possible, you know? Who knows? Maybe it's the real deal. Maybe he really shows something. Maybe he gets more opportunities. Maybe this is going to be our guy going forward. You know, maybe if, if we decide not to pay Savage or... If Amos ends up leaving, maybe it's going to be Savage and Rudy Ford. I don't know. All I know, week to week, he came off the, uh, he's brand new to the team. We threw him on the field above everybody else. He was very, I mean, when I saw his grade, I really wasn't that surprised because he was flying all over the place. It, when, when you thought, when he first came on, you're thinking liability, and every time you see him, he's making plays. Um, he, was, he was pretty fantastic. So you stitch that all together. I'm still hoping Amos comes back and we don't have to find out if, if the bottom's about to fall out. But um, no, he, he had a fantastic day. Um, why don't we end it there? We've got a couple calls left. Got another Garrett, Nate, Mike, Nico. Um, thank you very much to everybody that did call. We'll get to the leftover calls tomorrow. Make sure you guys have yourselves fantastic rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.